0: Welcome to DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we're taking a bit of a marketing spin um, and talking to Greg Smith. Uh, Greg is the CEO and founder of Sen Handwritten. Uh, Sen Handwritten, we've been utilising some of their services over the past six months, and um, it would be great to sort of share their their background experience around marketing. Greg's got a wealth of experience in the space. So, Greg, thank you for joining us.
1: My pleasure, lads. Welcome
0: to February already. Oh, I know. It's um, one month down, 11 to go. <laughs> so it flies along pretty quickly, year by year, and my son's just gone into prep, so that's changed the dynamic around the household, oh, so it's a little quieter this year than it was last, well, or at least the out. last two days. You should be able to record
2: a bit easier, Andrew.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've only got one to concern myself with. <laughs> so, they different kids, but home... there's... Two...
1: My older bull to younger bull advice is remember that when they're little, their problems are little, but when they get big, their problems get big. Mine are uh, young adults now. And,
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's always something to of learn about being a parent. You don't, you don't know what you're doing, just throw it into the deep end of it. Um, so, today, yeah, I wanted to sort of catch up, get to know a little bit about your background, your experience, and also a little bit about Sin Handwritten and um, deep dive into that a little bit. Greg, tell us a bit about your your background experience and um, how you sort of got into marketing and that sort of sales spin in your career. So it turns out
1: that I'm not actually a marketing uh, um, professional by background. What I am by background is an experiential educator. Um, And it doesn't seem on the surface to make sense that my background of 25 years working with young adults and corporates outdoors would transfer itself into this world. But the bridge between what I did for 25 years building uh, a a multi-million dollar dollar business in the Tweed Valley in northern New South Wales, the bridge is experience. So when I experience something, I understand, which is, um, you know, one of the uh, the wisdom legacies, if you like, or wisdom sayings is, you know, um, when I do, I understand. Um, And so what emerged out of that business when I sold that business to a large international not-for-profit was I watched a business that I'd given birth to deteriorate over five or six years and then eventually be destroyed. So it was a heart-wrenching experience and it turns out that what that organization got right was everything. They were awesome. They are an international not-for-profit with a spectacular reputation in the experiential education field. The one thing that they got wrong was the customer experience piece. So I'd nurtured relationships for 20-odd years. They came in and not straight away, but over a period of few years, destroyed those relationships because they changed them and didn't care as much as I had for that clientele. The clientele then said, see you later over a period of time. And eventually coronavirus and bushfires finally killed it. What I got in that same process was that you and I, and I'm projecting here, you and I are bored, (laughs) batless. There's a naughty word in there, but we're bored, batless. As we move through the Australian and Western marketplace. And when I say we're bored, we're really quite okay to be processed efficiently, and transacted on time, but it's all bland. Imagine a shopping centre on this planet anywhere in the Western world. You go to any country, they all look the same.
0: There yeah, are no differences there. <laughs> but, right the different roof. No, Not at all.
1: <laughs> and here's the defining factor. Let's use the airline industry as the example, and then we, I'll, I'll move on, because this is the bridge between where I've come from and where we are now. If you fly in Australia from one capital city to the other and you fly Jetstar, it says on your ticket, passenger. And thank God Jetstar fly us safely from A to B, but we are quite clearly processed and transacted. I'm close to the Gold Coast Airport. In fact, I can see it from here. When I go to the Gold Coast Airport and I get in a Jetstar A320, I have a certain experience as a customer. As a passenger, if I walk to the other end of the tarmac at the Gold Coast Airport and I get in another A320, but it has a Singapore Airlines insignia on the tail, I sit in the seat and I look at my ticket and it says guest and I get a hot towel as I take my seat and I get quite a nice meal between here and wherever I'm going, generally Singapore. The message is that they're both A320s, same machinery, but completely different experience. What human beings crave is a five or a <clears throat> five or even a six star experience, and that is all about humanity. It's all about treating the human being as best as what we can possibly muster, the emotional and uh, the emotional labour to deliver. It's about caring.
0: Mm.
1: So when all it's else, saying, is it's pain,
0: a big lesson you've learned of the journey, hasn't it? Yes.
1: When all else is the same, the only defining factor that we have left at our disposal as entrepreneurs is to up our customer experience, which means upping our humanity. So being empathetic, being appreciative, creating wow experiences that Velcro your clientele to whatever it is that you do.
0: <laughs> it's talked about a lot Um we all perceive it and we all see it depending on which brands we're dealing with. And some do it better than others. But, yeah, I think the Jetstar analogy and the Singapore Airlines one makes a lot of sense for everyone to understand. Um, and the guest and passenger, are very different <laughs> meanings behind the two, aren't they? Um, yeah, so <laughs> it gives us a bit of context of where you're coming from and you're thinking. So you've learnt this piece around experience is important and you've seen your business of 25 years be pretty much turned to disappear once it was sold to somebody else um, after the fact of the experience dropped off. So how did Sinhound written come about? Because obviously that is all very driven um, around improving that experience and having a personable approach to the the customer or potential customers even. Um, What was the light bulb that sort of brought that to mind?
1: The the light, the light bulb was when I left that organization. So after I sold, I then had a contract with them. for It ended up being five years. Um, and when I left, I left and began a little consultancy called the Masters of Client Retention to answer one question for my clients. And there was only a small number at the start, obviously. And the one question we wanted to answer was, how do you Velcro your existing clients <clears throat> to whatever it is that you do? So I collected together a bunch of tools and a few clients and some processes, and we got a period of time into that, and there was a set of questions that just kept coming at me. And the questions when I condensed them were, Greg, what is the most cost-effective, easy to understand, simple to implement tool that I can implement yesterday and get a return on investment on tomorrow? And stop talking about client retention because I'm really good at client retention. So we know that 80% of businesses, are of uh, business leaders, are of the opinion that their clients love them. Turns out that only 8% of those same clients agree.
0: <laughs> That's a vast well difference. <laughs> <but>
1: despite, <laughs> yes. that gap,
0: yes.
1: despite that gap, if I ask any business on the planet to show me their client retention budget, they will look at me cross eyed. If I then say, can you show me your marketing or your lead generation or your prospecting budget, you'll generally get an answer. It's X percent of turnover. Yep. So the question became, Greg, can you help us with our lead generation? Mm-hmm. And can you please make that experience for our prospects as delightful and as humane and as personalized and easy to grab hold of and lasting as possible? Mm-hmm. So when we looked at the marketplace and the tools that we already had in place, what percolated, you know, to the surface over a period of time was handwritten, beautifully designed, delivered, uh, handwritten, sorry, um, wax sealed and delivered by mail pieces into a now a mail system that is driven by packaging, not personalized messaging. The idea being to stand out in the sea of sameness. So when everybody's going digital, lean the other way and go analog.
0: Mm. It's different then. It's not, I'm getting a thousand emails and you're one in a thousand, let alone, and there'll be one in uh, in a year, you might get something personal sent to you. If that, that's the reality. Yeah,
2: unless you're online shopping.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: So... In the, in the very first six months that we were, we, we clarified that the the gap in the market was that piece. We took on, uh, well, I'm, and I'm looking at the samples on my desk here, but we took on a couple of clients. One was an accounting firm. And the order from the accounting firm was 100 cards a month for 12 months. So we designed the card, we got very clear on the strategy, we got the design right, we printed the cards, we printed his envelopes, we wax sealed them, and we sent the first one hundred, and the second month we sent the second one hundred. Our appointment set has got on the phone to nurture those leads. That accountant, his name's Brendan, that accountant rang me at the end of end of two months. And he said, He didn't have much of a sense of humor, this fellow, but he said, Mate, we've got a problem. And I said, Oh, of course I went white hot "Uh what is the problem and he said do you know what you've done to my business and of course my eyes are getting wider and wider and wider and I said no Brendan tell me and he said you've just blown it up I'm 1.4 million dollars ahead after two months work now that's lifetime value of new work that had come in the door So, and the life the multiple was it was 200 grand figures 210 grand of new work all business clients for an accounting firm. He knew that they would stay for 10 years, but the the average is seven. So we went seven times 200 is 1.4. I said, you want to delay month three. He used a bunch of swear words and he said, send me a contract for three years. You are now my marketing department.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a great outcome. Yeah, it's a good outcome for him, definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah, we've not had another yeah. two months of 1.4 mil, but consistently we have a 15% response rate month on month on month. In fact, the card, I don't know if your listeners can see it, if it, this is only audio, the the yak on the, the shelf behind me is the camera. Oh, yes,
0: I can see it behind you, right on top of your head. Just noticed it now okay. when you pointed it out. <laughs> they, they call me the yak
1: um, and yeah. the opening copy in that is a dad joke. It's the most valuable dad joke we've ever invented. Hi, Andrew, I hope you don't mind my old school approach. I'd love to have a yak with you. And that's the email. Nice.
0: <laughs> All right, a so very simple, very tongue-in-cheek, bit of fun in it, right. lightheartedness, nothing too serious. But it
1: turns out the exciting piece of this is that the neuroscientists now know that a sense of humor when used appropriately so it's not crass and it's not sweary and it's not all that nasty stuff when it's used appropriately pr- appropriately and it's a play on words like that we are 31 percent smarter as human beings when we smile
0: that's interesting data
1: <laughs> now that's not my data that's data from a guy called Chris Voss, who for a big portion of his career trained FBI
0: hostage. FBI, oh, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, I've heard of him before.
1: Yeah. Now, of course, I chose to hear that statistic, and I, I drew that out of his TED talk, and I have used that over and over. But my experience is that that's actually true. A stock photo from all of those online sources, yeah, they do the job. But if you can create something that draws people in and it's got a quip to it or a dad joke to it, those campaigns that we run usually are more Mm -hmm. impactful in terms of return on investment.
0: So in terms of everyone in the in the tech space is thinking, how do I get more how do I manage my Facebook funnels? How do I get more more leads on LinkedIn? How do I do go digital? Sure, email market, Google ads etc. Um, this is obviously out of the box. It's different thinking um, and it's it's the reason why we put it in the podcast because sometimes we need to think differently. This may not be for everybody, but in context, um, we all appreciate something personable, um, but at least it's something that looks like it's been put a bit of effort into it uh, rather than well, just you a I'll
2: say You open every letter email. that's yes. addressed to you. I don't open every email that's addressed to me. That's very true. Yeah. So That's one differentiation. So yeah. you guys
1: are in the tech space. If you were working with a client, and, and you know, I, I know you're not building marketing campaigns for people, but what would you expect as a response rate on an email campaign? Sorry, let me change that. What would you expect as an open rate? How many of those emails per 100 would you expect to be a really good result?
2: I think in the marketing tools we've used, it says about 14 to 17% is an open rate. And then click-through rate is like two percent or three percent.
1: So when we can share with our clients that we get an over ninety percent open rate for what for the reason that you just shared Anthony, and we get because uh, I want to be conservative I don't I want to undersell and over deliver wherever possible. but if we get the data avatar correct and the the creative right and we get this moving in the right direction for a client, anything less than a ten percent response rate, I'm really bummed about, that's there's something wrong in one of the pieces that we're doing for the client. Now, a response rate is somebody that says, oh my God, I've got to talk to, you know, the person whose photo's on the back of the card. Or when our appointment setters nurture that lead, they respond positively and either book an appointment or ask genuinely for more information about whatever's, you know, on the table.
2: If yeah, so someone actually wants to engage with you.
1: Yeah. So an over 90% response rate, if two or three or 4% click-through rate or response rate is good in an email campaign, and we're getting 10, 15, sometimes 20%. I'm running a campaign at the moment. We're getting a 25% appointment rate. That's an investment. There's an investment. It's not just a card in the mail. It's a sophisticated... Um, ecosystem that we're working on behalf of our client.
0: Mm -hmm. How have you found, obviously, through COVID, a lot of people working at home, what's the impact to getting cards in the hand of the right person? How have you found that approach or that um, slight challenge, given most people are working at home at the moment?
1: Great question. And we had to address that back in March and April 2020, because you can imagine that what we're up to, um, that was a big drama. So we solved that in two ways. One was we created a new service and we called that service our pre-call service. So our appointment set is on the phone um, and the script vaguely goes something like, hi, Andrew, it's Gus here. I'm wondering if you could help me, please. Andrew's probably going to say, who the hell are you? It's Gus here from Send Handwritten. I'm a colleague of Greg Smith. We'd love to send you something personalised as a once-off, this is not spam, to your mailbox at work, preferably, if you're still going there. Um, But if you're not at work, do you have a safe, and that's the operable word, do you have a safe uh, home or closer to you PO box that we could send something really pretty surprising to you? Are you open for that? Now, 90% of people say, oh, yeah, sure, send it to my, you know, my wife's local PO box or our family PO box or whatever, whatever. 10% Ten percent of people will say "rack off, hairy legs." Like mm-hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't care what you're up to or how you are. <laughs> yes. What that means is that our client doesn't, you know, send ten percent mm-hmm. of that batch to somebody that is right at the front door, completely disinterested. The second, the second thing that we did, we iterated and got pretty clever, I think, uh, and we iterated into what we call audio digi cards. So handwritten and hand-drawn work that shows up on your phone or in a LinkedIn feed or in, embedded in an email. So they talk to you, they write, and it is actual genuine handwriting that, of course, we digitise and, and we send over and over again. I've even got Morgan Freeman on the team narrating some of our
0: work. Interesting. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so there's a bit in that. So you've obviously learnt from, obviously... Every, everything's changed come COVID for a lot of people. Um, and just setting up a of different services to assist with that. So holistically, when people think about, um, you mentioned one, one thing at the start of this conversation that um, not many people have a, a customer retention budget um, and that everyone's got a marketing budget um, or are throwing money at marketing, depending if who's budgeted or not. They're putting money into marketing or generating leads in some way or another. Um, What's your recommendation on that? Because I see there's some value in the whole retention piece. Is there certain numbers that you found or percentages that work or allocations that work from a retention? And what are some of the retention strategies? Because I think we can all look for leads, but our customers that we already have are a lot easier to convert to new sales upsell if they know us, trust us, and are happy for our service. Um, It's sometimes harder to convince a new, it is a lot harder to convince a new customer than it is to convince somebody you're already working with. So what's some things you would be doing in in your own business, for example, um, that you'd be putting to the customer attention side of things?
1: It's a great question. Um, Are you okay if we just play with this for a little bit? We'll we'll do a little mini workshop with Anthony and Andrew. if I said to you as entrepreneurs, if you consider an average size client and the annual budget that they're spending with you, and I said, well, what, and if I asked, would you be prepared to reinvest 50% of that budget back in them to bring them back for another year? Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine your answer would be Don't probably be not.
0: <laughs> not viable, yes. Well, yes.
1: W- would you uh, be prepared to invest 1%? of that annual budget back into that client to bring them back again.
0: Yeah, that's an easy no-brainer. Okay,
1: so that's an easy no-brainer. What about 5%? Yeah,
0: I think that's probably sustainable, yes, given what we spend in marketing, yep.
1: What about 10%? Knowing that a 10% spend is going to bring them back for a full further 12 months.
0: You're still making margin in that, so yes, I think you can get to that sort of level. Yeah. Okay,
1: so when we start working that, and I've done this over and over mm-hmm. again, what we find is that somewhere between 8 and 12% is about about right. But if you're selling rockets, you don't want to do that. If you're selling hamburgers, it doesn't work. You sort of need to be in a sweet spot in terms of the value of what you're selling. Let's call it 10% because I can count in
0: mm-hmm. Ten tens, <laughs>
1: That's it twelve. It gets beyond yeah. me very quickly. So, if you're selling a one hundred dollar product and you're making a you know a, a good margin on that, are you prepared to spend ten bucks to bring that client back and buy another hundred dollar product and another hundred dollar product? And then an interesting thing happens. Once that client really knows, likes, and trusts you then you're in a position to proactively ask them for a referral. Now you're getting two for the price of one. You're getting potentially two clients for that $10 investment because they already reckon you're brilliant anyway.
0: <laughs> mm. yep. If they're coming that's back, another warm that's, lead. That's, that's definitely something's positive there, so that's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For ourselves, in the middle of last year, in the middle of all this crap that we're dealing with as business people and as human beings at the moment, I made the decision that I needed to um, very carefully let our clients know, and it might have been before you guys were clients, I can't remember, uh, let our clients know that Greg and the Send Handwritten team, we actually give a crap because you're two blokes doing your best, I'm a bloke doing my best and we're in the marketplace looking for ways to add value so that we can support the families that we, we cherish. So I simply sent a piece into the market. I think there were 120 or 140. They, they, there was a dad joke to it, but it was, hi, Andrew, I don't know about you, but this year is nuts. So there was a play on the concept of nuts. There's nuts all over the front of the front of the envelope. I don't know whether you've it. You
2: got- you got that, Anthony, I think. You yeah, I think I received that one. Yeah, you did. You got yeah. that
1: one. And, mm-hmm. you know, on the inside of it, there was a dad joke with a couple of cockatoos and nuts on their head. Does my beak look big in this? And it like, so I put that into the market simply to say, I care. And I hope you're okay in the crap that's going on at the moment. That investment converted within about six weeks, converted 70 grand of work. So 140 cards.
0: 140 cards are not going to be anywhere near 10% cost, I would imagine. No.
1: That's right. So how much to reinvest? Let's say it was, I don't know, 2 or 3% You know, at, at commercial rates. But, of course, it's our business, so you know, we did it at cost for ourselves. But a 70K return on 140-card investment, and it wasn't a sales piece. It just, it just no,
2: <laughs> it doesn't didn't look like it, but I think showing you're there, mm. thinking, yeah. I, I it's think funny what I to think about
1: in that, me, yeah. If you if you could find that card, I think in it, um, it says uh, an idea to have a look at my new website. That was it. That was the only pitch or the only commercial piece in it. I don't know if anybody did. I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in. So, so here's my thing. The why that is soul driven that is behind send handwritten is I am, I have an assertion and my assertion is that this planet will be a better place if we connect with and appreciate the human beings that we have the privilege to interact with while we're on this mortal coil. That's it.
0: I agree because we, we can all go through uh, life just stuck in our own head and that's, dangerous place to be. Um, yeah, it's in reality, we're only here for a certain amount of time and if we can uh, enjoy the company of others, I think that's a good place to be. Um, yeah, mm, so there's, there's plenty in that um, to think about. And In terms of the way you're, you're sort of going about it, it's so unique, so different. Never heard of anything like this from a, a marketing um, and customer attention perspective. Um, there's, I've heard the old... Um, not old, but I've heard the the things where you might send people presents, gifts in the mail, etc. But I think this is something a little bit more sustainable. It can work into lead generation as well as your client retention. Um, because, yeah, just showing that you care, that's one of the words you've used a number of times through the podcast is... Um, that's important because we're all people. Uh, We're all on on a path, doing our own thing, like you said, trying to look after our own world and create some value in it, Um, especially if you're talking to business owners. Um, And then how do we how do we make more impact? That's what we care about as business owners. How do we add more value? Um, and how do we ensure that we're um, working with the right customers to get them to where they want to bet to as well? So there's plenty in that from a marketing and a thinking perspective. Um, and, yeah, this is very unique. Hence why we brought you on the podcast just to show a difference being on what you could think about doing that's just a little bit outside the box. Um, they may delight your customer and wow them. It's some key words that people use. How do you weld wow delight customers? And this could be one avenue that people think about that's just something they haven't entertained before.
1: And, and um, Andrew, when they do entertain it, and I'm guilty of this as well, when I do entertain the, the possibility of um, empathising with, appreciating my clientele, creating something that is uh, Disney-like. It's surprising and magical and different. And I want to deliver that in a way that is experiential, meaningful, because human beings don't remember stuff. You don't remember what you got for your 10th birthday, but you might no, remember the pool and the cake and the ice cream and the cousins and the whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you w- You might be able to recall that experience. The stuff is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And if you are good to your word in that process and we've systematized this when i go through that process as a normal human being and not as the ceo of that of send handwritten, i get lazy i go oh my god how am i going to do that and how am i going to do it consistently and what's it going to cost and how do i source all that stuff and when do i do it and, ah it's all just too hot so we've said to the marketplace don't worry about it we'll do it for you
0: <laughs> Make it easy. <laughs> Design the campaign, yeah.
1: you know, and it might be gifts, and it might be cards and it might be audio, digi stuff. Like it could be any ecosystem that simply says, we see you, we recognize you, we want to name you as somebody important in our world, and here's how we are choosing to express that at this moment in time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not that spam email that You get every day of the week, or <laughs> well, twenty times a day.
2: Um, some of them it's get, a different message and yeah. personal, and mm-hmm. it's just different again because it's a, an actual physical letter. Yeah, a card. Okay. In terms of
0: the type of customers you work with, give us some examples. Like, who do you generally work with? What What's some of the, the obviously you mentioned the accounting firms and big impacts, but what's the variance? Is it just anybody or is it just a specific niche that you sort of target or is it just um, any business owner looking to just impact from retention
2: and lead generation? And how did you like narrow down your customer niche that this works with?
1: Yeah, so it, it's a great question. And, and as a, um, as the CEO, what I'm really clear about is that we're not a card company. We're not a marketing company. We're a marketing experience outfit that delivers remarkable and memorable marketing. And it's subtle, but there's a difference. So in actual fact, the wrong answer to your question is that we will work with anybody that is part of our tribe philosophically. And we've worked across multiple industries and I've now lost track. I can't give you the figures on how many industries we have worked across. Where we are currently focusing the marketing for send handwritten is in the in the sectors at the moment that are going nuts. It's in the tech sector, real estate, tradies, um, uh, not retail, uh, tradies, um, uh, and the finance sector. They would be the four. <laughs> And the reason, Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one that's an outlier, and when it comes comes across our desk, it's phenomenal. Actually, there's two. One is automotive, and the other is luxury travel. Now, the luxury travel one's been dormant, but when we get the handcuffs and our leg irons taken off us in the next few months, I think the the luxury travel sector is going to go berserk.
0: Yeah, it's going to come back with a vengeance like everything has when it's just woken up a little bit. Yes. Would yeah, there's a lot of pent up demand. Yes, definitely.
1: So, so they're the sectors in terms of marketing what we do. They're the ones that we're outbound marketing towards. But what comes across my desk this morning uh, a USA uh, health insurance broker.
0: She that's signed ex- up. It's for- exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: So, so here's, here's an interesting thing. I wouldn't normally go pursuing a health insurance broker. She works for a company, and this is where the US blows my mind. She works for a company where there are 4,000 people inside that company doing exactly what she does. So the question becomes, how do you stand out in a market where your colleagues well, there's 3,999 of them, and they're all doing exactly what you do when an inquiry comes across the corporate desk. Well, Not only that, there are a million people in North America doing exactly what those 4,000 people do.
0: God, that's massive competition, isn't it? Yep.
1: So when I said, how about, or, or do you think it would help you if I could help you stand out? and show up in a way that nobody else on the planet is showing up. And this was an audio DigiCard client. And you know, to, to explain that, there's no explanation. You've got to see them and feel them to get them. And I said, how about you show up via text, via LinkedIn and embedded in emails with Morgan Freeman introducing you. She went, holy cow. She got, she physically, I heard her do it. She physically got her credit card out and said, Greg, how much? <laughs> I said, I gave her a figure. She said, "Can I please give you my credit card number now? I want to start today." Okay, because I had samples to show her. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. Now
2: she just wanted that differentiator. She wanted
1: to show up. In actual fact, all four thousand of those people are slowly being invited to participate. We're getting an eight percent response rate to a drip feed set of emails that one of my colleagues, a joint venture partner, is sending. She's making cash. We will do well. The client will have a great impact, and the client's wealth will improve because we're collaborating
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting. it could go into any space, but I think the key thing you mentioned there is how do you differentiate um, because we're all working in a very competitive landscape um, there's a, a thousand and one tech businesses um like us um how do we differentiate there's a if you just put put yourself in a bucket of a marketing. Agency, which you don't, I appreciate you don't. Um, there's there's so many of those out there. So it's about how we differentiate and how do we do something a little bit unique. It's going to make us stand out from the crowd. And um, if we're just following the same line of um, the Facebook ads, the 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 Google ads, etc., yes, we can compete. But yet, yeah, is there something just a little bit differently you could be, you could be doing? And um, that's why I've always been obviously intrigued by seeing handwritten when we first met because it is unique. Um, and it's just it's it's a different approach to what you, people might do on a daily basis when they think about marketing, and this is generally not one thing as a tool that people might consider. So, um, yeah, it's it's very rare, very, very unique, and I don't yeah, many competition, many much competition in this space. Gregory, is this just uh, some, a, something that's spawned out of your mind and you've never seen before?
1: Um, I, I've certainly never seen it before. There is a company that I will give kudos to in America. Um, they're called Send Out Cards. Um, and I don't mind naming them because I rate what Cody Bateman is up to with Send Out Cards. It's a multi level marketing company. And he started that um, for a bunch of personal reasons. And it's all built around personal or person to person one off sending of something delightful in the mail. The differentiators are, and I've got a bunch, of, I've got about 10 different questions that differentiate us. does does that organization have now fill in the dot points um have a strategist that works with you consistently during the course of a campaign to make sure that you get the result that you're looking for now do you get a creative director allocated to you to iterate and improve and change and 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 pivot as your campaign moves forward now is the work handwritten by real human beings hand addressed and then wax sealed with your logo embossed in the wax seal? No. Do you get anything other than a white envelope? No. Do you have a data team that supports that work when you use that other organization? No. Do you have appointment setters that support you and helped script non-sales sounding like appointment setting on your behalf? No. Can you convert your work to stuff that will turn up via text, socials and email that will mimic that design? No, do do you have a LinkedIn concierge service that integrates that creative work into a series of LinkedIn messages or do you get nurtured into a a LinkedIn uh, pod to 10x the number of views that you get of the work that you post in LinkedIn? And do you have anybody that helps bring all of that ecosystem of work together Uh, you know, on your behalf and with you into what we now uh, have started to call the memorable marketing blueprint so that you show up in a memorable way, systematised across all of those channels. No, 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 no. And I still rate what the only organisation that is anywhere near us in the personalised card space, I rate what they do, but they are nothing like we're up to.
0: Okay. Just thinking of it holistically, not just the card itself. Let's let's put it that way. Um, It's a whole campaign around it. Yes, and they've got people in play to help you through the process. Um, One question I'd I'd like to lean on is, if I'm going to go down this path and I want to try and work with someone like yourself, Greg, and there's not many out there, but (laughs) in terms of the scenario written, what do I need to know before I enter in or design a campaign around my customers? What's some of the things that you might want to consider?
1: If it's a client retention campaign, uh, let's let's build this a bit like a pyramid. Our current clients are the foundation of our business. What message do I want to send my current clientele, and it's not a B 2 C or a B 2 B message. And yeah, it's I encourage person. My... person. <laughs> yeah, so B 2 B is BS in our world. It's H to H or human to human or P to P, person to person where the rubber hits the road. So I need my clients to think about the amount of emotional labor that they're prepared to do and what that message might be and and how much they're prepared to invest in that relationship. That's the the bottom of the the, um, pyramid. The next level up in the pyramid is if it's a prospecting campaign, uh, Anthony asked me the question. Who is the avatar that you're seeking the attention of, Greg? And I said real estate and tradies and luxury travel and, you know, what I explained. So I need to know from my client what that avatar is. Our creative team need to meet the human being that's sending the message because human beings show up energetically. So we want to grab hold of that energy, match it to the avatar. If we can find the edge or the intrigue or the dad joke or the quip, or that you know I'd love to have a yak with you equivalent we want to go looking for that so I need a client that gets it that this is a process targeted and then we we're going to iterate as a campaign evolves going to iterate i i'm beyond, we are now beyond trying to convince people that what we are up to works we know it works it's just a matter of collaborating for long enough and iterating enough to get the result that we know will eventually come.
0: Yeah, sometimes from the duration piece, it's it's important. And it's, in our work, from a technology perspective, we're always iterating, and in a marketing sense, you need to be iterating, testing, gauging, evolving, um, and sort of reflecting what works, what hasn't. And, yeah, you might not hit it first mark, first time, but, Second, third iteration might serve you well and be the campaign you run for the next three years. It just could be the way it sort of molts out for the organisation.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've had. While well, I explained the nuts campaign that we ran in the middle of last year, we we ran another one concurrently with that. That was a disaster for ourselves.
0: It's good to know that because nothing, not everything, always works, does it? So that's reality. Yeah.
2: You've got to test enough to understand Mm -hmm. what doesn't to find the thing that eventually works.
1: One of the things that we did wrong was that we only had a small sample set. I think there were only 150 went out and it just didn't land. And three years ago, it landed unbelievably. Something's changed. Something has changed. And I'm not exactly sure, still not exactly sure what it was. So we word up, we didn't continue for ourselves. We pivoted and it was almost simultaneously. We did the nuts campaign and it blew our two payoff. Like it was, Holy cow. Didn't see that okay. coming.
0: Mm. You um, know, you why? don't, you don't really know sometimes. That's the thing in my, in this area of the marketing, the psychology behind it, because there is a bit in there um, and it's, you, yeah, you, you can't guarantee anything. Uh, but, yeah, being prepared to iterate in anything in life because we never have all the answers day one and that's that's reality. So if we're prepared to um, just go in, give something, go iterate, evolve and just um, consistently stick with it, I think, yeah, you can find an outcome um, that you're looking for. And you might find that... Um, this campaign may work, not work with direct customers, but it may work with channel partners, for example, um, from a different play. Yeah, just, just an example, just thinking out loud um, how this you could find that it could, you need to iterate and pivot.
1: Exactly. We're, so the, I don't know who said it. Somebody way smarter than me, um, you know, it was Jim Rohn or, or you know, um, uh, one of the big, the big wigs in marketing said that half of your marketing is always working you never know which half.
0: <laughs> you need to know which half, don't we? <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. You're getting leads, but where are they actually coming from? Yep.
1: Yeah. So, our, you know, in, in all reality, our worst customers are those that say, uh, there's my photo for the back of the card, Greg, and there's my QR code that I want to go to my landing page, and here's my 50 words of copy and the image that I want. See you later. And then three months later, doesn't matter how much nurturing we do, they then say to us, "This isn't working." And we say, "Well, did you turn up to those six appointments that we got you in the first two months?" They say, "What? What appointments?" Go back and have a look at the emails, have a look at your response. This is a real life example. Have a look at the have a look at the emails. Ah, oh, could you try and rebook those, please?" Certainly. We did. All six of them. <laughs> and we got the rounds of the kitchen because we didn't know. That he changed his his preferred days for having meetings, and we just happened to book each of these people on to the the two days that he didn't want to meet. He dumped us like hot cake. Now, we I don't know if you've picked up our energy or my energy. That was devastating personally for me because I don't I don't know how we missed that communication. In actual fact, we didn't. But assume we take responsibility for that. The worst customer is one that isn't prepared to put time into this relationship, into the send, handwritten. Like, it's just yep. like, go find something. I think that's
2: in. with any business you work with. Oh, you thing. have to invest the time to make it work.
1: It needs collaboration. It needs, a, you know, they say it, it takes a, a community to build a child. It takes collaboration to build a successful marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Work, work together with us. Yeah, it makes sense. Whacking over the head if it's not working, great. (laughs) I'm happy to be. I will be the first person on this planet to eat humble pie when you communicate with me. If you don't talk to me, I like my crystal ball's in for a service permanently. Talk to me.
0: (laughs) Love it. That's a real take. If if anyone's out there listening um, and looking at what's some of the things that you've um, you would advise them if they're willing to go down some different paths of what I call. Different types of marketing, or different types of delighting customer. What's some um, What's some advice you'd give them?
1: Uh, be very clear that modern marketing, marketing is about building long term relationships. It's about it's about community. We know now on this planet that we've been hoodwinked by big business, one way or another. And I don't want to you know, get political or or, uh, big business about this. But we know now that we've been hoodwinked in the last two years. The only way to build trust between human beings is to build a relationship of no like and trust. So that's my first piece of advice. Be very clear that you're not marketing. You're building relationships so that you can add mutual long-term value. Once that's clear... The rest of it is tools and techniques for relationship building, for building of business communities. So my advice is get clear about that first and um, uh, work with whoever it is that you want to work with to help you systematically be more human and to build that networking So my head's just gone sideways a bit there. Forget about networking. Networking networking. is a waste of damn time. Networking is, (laughs) I I don't want to dishonor anybody that's into networking. But when you, doesn't matter what um, flavor of networking you name, we all know the big names that are in the marketplace, but let's go for a business chamber. Nobody's going to get upset about me talking about a business chamber. You go to a business chamber meeting and metaphorically, you've got a bunch of cards in your hand and like a ninja warrior, you flick them around the room and some of them stick in people's foreheads and you look at them and you go, yes, I've got one. And what you're hoping for is a sale, what they're hoping for is a sale, but the moment that you leave that RSL club or wherever it is that you've met, those business cards turn to dust, they evaporate.
0: In 99% of cases, yes, correct. (laughs) Network
1: building is a different beast. Network building is about getting the human beings around you before you're thirsty to help you build a well. So it's a bunch of human beings that are are business people, they're entrepreneurs, they want to have an impact. Draw them to you. Invest time and a little bit of cash In building that network and it doesn't matter what business you decide to go in down the track you've got a network that you can share what it is that you're up to with if it wasn't for my network building efforts in the last two years we'd be broke guaranteed it but I have invested tens of thousands and had hundreds of thousands of dollars invested or you know spent with send handwritten in the last two years because people fricking like me,
2: mm. it, not
0: people like people. I'm, you know, people I get like it. it. Yeah, it's all about people in the end. It's a relationship right. building. It's not
2: a business transaction. If you treat people it like that, person yes. in a right. business, not the business. Correct. We're right. not talking to Sentan Ridden. We're talking to Greg.
1: Exactly. So go to go to spaces where there is net, where there are network building opportunities, and I'm happy to share that with any of your listeners that are interested. I've got my preferred spaces. That are working. Then think about the digital space. So where, do, where are your clients? Where where do they show up? Is it Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or LinkedIn? Our preference is LinkedIn because we want the attention and our clients want the attention of business people. There's nearly a billion business people in LinkedIn, you know, short of where, you know, I don't know, 100 million short of something, but it, it, there's a lot, a lot of people in LinkedIn. And yes, they want to sell their stuff, their widgets, but I want to buy some of their widgets too. But I'll only buy widgets from people that I've already built a relationship with wherever possible. So if it's digital, our flavor of the month is LinkedIn. And I don't want to you know, dishonor any of the others. Then where else do human beings, business people, show up? They show up at their desk. Well, what can you get on their desk that's going to get their attention? Something that lands either on their phone or in an email that is completely different to anything else that they're used to, or you land a damn yak or an elephant or something on their desk and they go, holy shit, what's this? So it's, it's the ecosystem for building human relationships. That's what the memorable marketing blueprint is all about. We've just systematized relationship building.
0: Mm-hmm. I like the way you frame it because it's, yeah, when you really think about it, it's anytime you are you can you bring on a new customer. You've generally built a good relationship with them, unless you're selling um, a phone cover case in a retail setting and they just pop up and grab something. So it's very different. But when you're in business and service business um, and you're working with people, the relationship's very important. They need to trust you, understand you, and and the team before they get involved, and that's reality. So really good in, good way to frame that because it's about relationships. So it just changes the context of. We need leads. How many relationships are building this month? And I think it's a better way to think about it from a, yeah. a holistic approach. Because yeah, if you're building relationships, yeah. the work will come. Because it's, yeah, in reality, it's all about relationships, and that's how we've generated most of our business off the back of good relationships and long-term things. And that's still the way it's always worked.
2: Yeah, it moves from being transactional to personal. Correct.
0: Greg, been um, an absolute pleasure. Um, in terms of anyone that wants to learn a bit more about Seen Handwritten, i would imagine it's just seenhandwritten.com.au, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yes, that's correct. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to Greg, he's highly approachable, so check him out on LinkedIn. Greg Smith is his name. So, Greg, thanks for joining us on a DevReady podcast. Really appreciate your time and um, sharing your journey thus far. My
1: pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, thanks Greg.
0: Thanks, Greg.